Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the Tweet Machine. You can follow me at Mike Dugar. That is M I K E D U G A R. See, Chris, I spelled it out. I haven't done that in a while, but if you guys didn't catch that, I'm verified. So just look for the blue check. Go ahead, Chris. Talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at C K I D D. 206 and that's Kid 206 we're continuing our off-season content uh getting some special guests on the show been really happy with some people we've had on really happy about our next guest first timer uh, on the seahawks pod we have very 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 talented writer we have doug farrar of usa today doug what up man what up uh first time caller long time listener glad to be on the show <laughs> love it we love it Doug, Chris and I have been talking about receivers all offseason. Like, between the Seahawks losing Doug, drafting DK Metcalf, uh, our, we, I don't know how our debate over route running got started. Uh, it, it was simple. You went out there and was like, Tyler, top, you said Tyler Lockett, the top 10 route runner. And I immediately said, no, he's not. And that's what No, he's not. <laughs> oh. I love him, but no, he's not. <laughs> oh, 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 you know, okay, fine. You know what? <laughs> Okay, here we go. Doug, I'm going to give you, because we're going to jump into this now, because I consider you expert. I tagged a bunch of guys who I consider experts on Twitter. Arif, who works with us at the Athletics, yep. Sam Gold, Ben, Doug, uh, a couple couple other people. Uh, we're we're going to get this out here. I Where's my top 10? Did I write my top 10 down? Actually, I know my top 10. Who do I have? In? I had AB, I had Julio, I had Tyler. This isn't in no order. I had OBJ, Keenan Allen, T.Y. Hilton. How many people is that? Adam Thielen, Diggs. I think that's I think that's our ten right there. Well, you forget so, Tyler Lockett. Well, no, I got Tyler in there. Oh, I'm okay. never gonna forget Tyler. You okay. always forget about Tyler. <laughs> Doug, let me. Am, am I am I crazy here? Is is Tyler Lockett a top ten route runner in the NFL? I think. Well, there's there's so many things that go into. Are you a good route runner? So much of it depends on scheme. I mean, there are guys who run great routes who could never work in the Patriots system because over half of the Patriots passing game is based on option routes. Um, which is, you know, the cornerback does this, you do that, you sync up with the, the quarterback and, and make things happen. I mean, I have, you asked me for a top 10, I have Edelman number nine on my list purely because of how he runs option routes. Mm. Now, the problem with this list as it runs with Seattle is that, in my mind, the second best option route runner in the NFL just retired, and that's Mr. Baldwin. So mm. we got kind of a problem there. Um, uh, I, just, I mean, I'll just give you my list uh, in reverse order. Number 10, and this might be a surprise, but I was I recently did a um, list of the top 10 outside and slot receivers. And the more I watch Dante Pettis, the more I think not only uh, a really good route runner now, but incredible potential to leverage defenders in the slot. I would put him number 10 right now. Edelman, number 9. Just because he and and he he does some things as an outside guy, but really he's that slot, you know, five to fifteen yard guy who syncs up with Tom Brady so perfectly in that Patriots offensive system, which, like I said, is is predicated so much on option routes. Devontae Adams, number eight, and I may have him too low. I think he's an underrated receiver overall. Um, tremendous leverage, really good body control, and, you know, contested catch, really good with that. Amari Cooper, flying under the radar, but a really great technician. Keenan Allen, I agree with you. Um, if that, because he's not fast, um, he's not quick, he doesn't gain separation in any other way but route understanding. Um, and just that quickness in short areas. 
DeAndre Hopkins, number five. Um, I think he's a good route runner. I think given the crap quarterbacks he's had outside of Deshaun Watson, he should be congratulated more for his catch radius. That's a different thing. I have Diggs at number four, uh, which kind of explains itself if you've ever seen him. Uh, Odell at three, Julio Jones at two, and Antonio Brown, who might be the best route runner of his generation at number one. Doug, when I meet you, we're adapting up, hugging, doing all oh that. Oh, my God. I just shut it down in here. <laughs> I've been telling Mike this for the past month, and he don't want to listen. He just he been watching Ty Lockett too much, and I respect it. He does great work writing, but we got we got to help him on the film study, man. Oh my God, this is this is this is embarrassing. <laughs> this, thank you, Doug. You just proved my point. I'm done. I don't have to say nothing else. I have no problem with your list. I love it. Well, okay. Here, here's uh, here's what I'm gonna <laughs> ask. Where is because okay. because there, there's some guys that me and me and um. Me and Chris both had that you don't have. So, like, I mean, obviously I had Tyler. I think Chris also had Michael Thomas yep. in his 10. I think we both, Chris and I, had T.Y. Hilton. I think we both had Adam Thielen. Mm-hmm. Where where are those guys? Are they just, like, in that next, like, rung of, of, of good route runners? Thielen could have easily made my list. Adam Humphreys of the Buccaneers could have easily made my list. He's, no one talks about him. He's kind of the new Wes Welker. Um, just, you know, with the quick outs and the slants and, you know, five to ten yards. Zero to ten yards, I should say. He's great at that. Michael Thomas, you know, it's funny. I, he was number three behind, uh, I think, in, well, whoever was, number three in my outside receivers list. The thing he does, and I would say this of T.Y. Hilton, too, he just, I mean, you watch Michael Thomas, and the first thing that just blows off the screen is how easily he chews up turf. I mean, six or seven steps, and he's downfield 20 yards. And if you're running an off-coverage backpedal, you're dead. You, you have no chance. He's really good at sinking into his cuts. Um, you know, and, and in Sean Payton's offense, you obviously have to be able to do a lot of different things. I don't know that I'd call him, because when I talk about route runners, I'm talking about your own outside of system. Are you scheme transcendent? Doug Baldwin could go to any NFL team in his prime. I mean, he would have caught, you know, 100 balls for 1,500 yards of the Patriots. If he was in a more pass-heavy system throughout his career, we'd be talking about a different guy. Um, is Michael Thomas scheme transcendent at this point in his career? I don't know. Is Adam Thielen, you know, with Diggs and, and Thielen's more a slot guy and he does a lot of good things. Um, he almost made my list too. Um, who else did you have? Obviously we had T.Y. Mike. I think that oh, was T.Y., it. yeah. T.Y., T.Y., I mean, he's faster than Lockett, but he reminds me of Lockett in that he's, to me, he's better with the deeper posts, the 15-yard outs, um, the straight seam routes, any vertical concepts. Um, I wouldn't necessarily want him in the red zone, and I wouldn't necessarily want him in traffic. Mm. I, I, w- I want to stick just specifically with Tyler, even though my dreams are crushed here. So far, <laughs> well, I think... Okay, you know, uh, sorry. <laughs> you know what? It's all right. It's all right. You know, I, st- I still got hope. I've, we Now we've got to get Arif on the show, and we need to get... Uh, there was another expert I tagged in there, because right now you're up to nothing. You got Sam Gold, and you got Doug. Doug yep. So we're going to... We're gonna. I told you. I'm not gonna, gonna give up. I told you he was gonna die on this hill. You know that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> sometimes you got. I watched a lot of Game of Thrones, and what I learned is sometimes you just gotta die. Hey. That's just that's just how it goes. But I want to stick with Tyler here, Doug. And I, I've been writing like a a series of like guys who need to like take a big jump next year for yep. the Seahawks to be successful. And one of those guys 
uh, who's going to be in the series closer to the top. I'm doing a top 10. He's up in the top three is Tyler. You know, from your perspective, how how successful does Tyler need to be? Like what type of year does he need to have as the number one receiver for the Seahawks to to get where they want to be, which is, of course, you know, starting with winning the division. Well, it's crazy to say that a guy who, when targeted, gave his quarterback a perfect passer rating, and he's the only guy to do that since at least 2006. It, it could be ever. I went back all the way back in the Pro Football Focus database to 2006, and I don't have information before that. But I've been writing about Lockett. I, mean, I remember when he came out of college, and I thought, great vertical receiver. He has developed into a pretty good intermediate guy. Um, but when I, you know, either outside or in the slot, if I'm talking about a, a short to intermediate guy, I want the sharpness of the cuts. I want the understanding with the quarterback. I want the ability to run option routes. And and he or someone else is going to have to take this burden from Doug now that Doug is gone. It's, and you guys know this because you watch so much Seahawks football. So much of Seattle's passing game is predicated on play action and then scramble drills where you throw out your route concepts and you follow Russ. I've, I've been talking to Baldwin about that since like 2013. And it's, it's why Russell last year threw 15 touchdowns and only one interception with play action because their passing game is predicated on a, on a combination of structure and chaos. And Doug handled that chaos really well. Lockett is really going to have to be the one to step up and, and follow Russ through his, what I would call, secondary post-pressure progressions, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. where you know things fall apart or sometimes he anticipates pressure before it happens and he kind of makes them fall apart. Someone's going to have to pick up that slack from Baldwin, who, in my mind, outside of maybe Edelman, best option route receiver in the league. It was a big part of what he did. So that's one thing Lockett is going to have to do. I have no, I mean, he's talented enough to be a top five receiver in the NFL, Uh, but he was asked to do certain things. He was asked to, you know, take, take coverage up the top, you know, test that test. If it's a a one deep safety test, and if it's two or a big nickel, you got to test what you got to take one of them out of the equation. Now he becomes, not only doing some of that because their receiver group at this point is a whole lot of what if and maybe, but you know, he's, he's going to have to get some Doug Baldwin juice into his skill set to really take that next step. And I think he can, it's just going to have, he's just going to have to do it. Speaking of those other guys who are on the roster, those what ifs, maybes, hopefully they're good guys. One of them is DK Metcalf, you know, the rookie they yep. just gra- drafted that everyone loves the guy who's clearly paying attention to detractors of his who just posted another video what was that two days ago or was that, it was last week sometime that he uh posted a video of uh him running routes down in uh, la with russ you were one of the first people to write after dk got drafted uh, what i considered an authoritative piece on his route running uh back i think around Mick, uh, rookie camp time you know what's what's your read on uh, dk first as a route runner just specifically his ability to to run routes well, it's funny, because, and, and this happens, I mean, every, every, and I've been doing this for 15 years, every year I analyze draft prospects, and there are four to five guys who have a lot of obvious physical talent whose schemes and coaches did them no favors in college. Puna Ford was one of those guys a couple of years ago when whatever the hell Texas was running in their fronts, I still don't know. I asked a bunch <laughs> of guys and no, nobody knew. And then Puna, of course, came to Seattle in a straight 40 front and dominated because, oh, he's that guy. 
Um, I remember on KJR with Softy, uh, they had his receivers coach in college, and the guy said, yeah, DK can run all the routes. It's just we had a package where he ran two or three. It was like a go and a post and a quick out. And that's fairly common in college where most passing games are not tremendously complex. You're looking to beat a guy with athleticism, and if nothing else, good Lord, DK is all about athleticism. Um, I so for that piece you're referring to, I watched. Uh, I think it was his first three practices in uh, rookie minicamp, and they're you know square ins, slants, things like that. And is he Odell Beckham Jr. with that stuff? No. Is he ever going to be? No. But his height, his weight, his speed. I'll tell you who he reminds me of, and he could have a very similar on-field career path with gratefully none of the on-field stuff. The first time I watched DK Metcalf, Metcalf, I'm like, this is Josh Gordon's younger brother. Oh boy. And he's going to go on the field. And he, he, when Josh came into the NFL, cause he had had all that stuff at BYU and he really didn't have a totally developed career. He knew like two routes and it didn't matter when Randy, and I'm not comparing him to Randy Moss. He's not there. But when Randy Moss came into the league and everyone asked Dennis Green and Brian Billick, well, he only knows two routes. And Dennis Green and Brian Billick were like, yeah, but have you seen anyone stop him with those two routes? <laughs> Bingo. So, so there's an element of DK where, yes, of course, he's going to have to learn route on, you know, the little things that make great route runners special. And he's nowhere near that yet. But he can run rudimentary routes. And when you're talking about a guy who's what, six, three, two, 30, run a four, three, four. I mean, there are certain, it's kind of the Bill Parcells planet theory thing where there are just a few guys on the earth who can do what he does. And when we talk about Seattle's passing game again, it's that combination of structure and chaos. Well, the guy can get open and there is a, it's not a, a large element, but there is a, and this is a pejorative term, so I'm careful with it, but there's a schoolyard element or a unstructured element to Seattle's passing game that gives Metcalf opportunities he wouldn't in something where, you know, because, like, the Patriots passing game, I watched Chad Ochocinco go there and flop. I watched Joey Galloway go there and flop. Metcalf wouldn't last a day with the Patriots. I think he has a chance with the Seahawks. And, you know, that's so my comparison, I did a tape piece on Josh Gordon in 2014 when he blew up with Cleveland. Um, that's who he reminds me of. Oh, Doug, you have no idea how big I'm smiling right now. What was my hot take? One of those weeks was that Josh Gordon's 20. What was that? What year did he lead the league in touchdowns or something like that? I think it was 2014. I think that was like one of the best receiving seasons we'll ever see. Because that was the one where he said he was drunk and high every game. Yeah. That's is, what it yep. was. Yeah, he was drunk and high, getting like 200 yards a game with like Seneca Wallace throwing to him or whoever it was. How crazy would it yeah. be if, if Russ came out and was like, yeah, I was drunk and high the oh, last two well, seasons? That's a, that's a different discussion. We don't want to. <laughs> we're not going to get too sidetracked there. But like, I like the Josh, the Josh Gordon comparison because sober or drunk, Josh Gordon he was, gets it done. <laughs> was amazing. Just amazing. <laughs> If you fire up, yeah, if you fire up Game Pass, go to his 2014 where I, I think Brandon Whedon was throwing it. I mean, just abysmal quarterbacks. And, you know, drunk or high or whatever he was, and really no route awareness at all. <laughs> um, really, I mean, no, he would just run and get open and run and get open and run and get open over and nobody could stop him because he just had a rare set of physical traits and 
you know, Moss was on a different planet than anyone I've ever seen. But, you know, Gordon had a combination of the ability to physically dominate in a short area and just straight line speed. And, you know, simple route concepts that if you have that physical skill set, you can get open. You know, you, if you put him up against a 5'10 cornerback and see what happens. Yeah, barbecue chicken, as Shaq would say. Barbecue but, chicken is what happens, yes, indeed. <laughs> you did mention that Russ was, he threw 15 touchdowns and one interception when doing play action. And then I recently heard Kurt Warner just being ridiculous, saying that Russell Wilson not even in his top 10 in quarterbacks, only in the 2019 campaign. I recently heard former NFL quarterback, now NBC analyst, Chris Sims, ranked Russ as a top three quarterback in the NFL, number three to be exact. I believe that's a fair assessment. I think it's Brady. I think it's Breeze. And then I think you can fit in Russ right at number three. Where would you rank Russ based on his production since he's been in the league? I don't know that I put Brady or Breeze in the top three. Ooh, okay. Bring it spicy, Doug. I love it. It's funny because I'm I'm finishing my top 11 with quarterbacks, and i got to do that in the next couple of days, and I've been thinking about it a lot. Um, I won't tell you who my number one is, but um, cough, Mahomes, cough. (laughs) (laughs) I think think when you consider – Outside of Doug, of course, the quality of receivers he's had, the limitations of the different offenses he's had, and a five-year stretch of offensive line talent that may be the worst in NFL history. And still, I mean, you go back to that Cowboys game, the how different offensive coordinators would utilize him as – because he's, I mean, he's a franchise player. Pete Carroll knows it. Brian Schottenheimer knows it. He got paid like it finally. You know, he's that guy in all caps. But they don't use him that way. So with a guy like that, and when you rank players in any capacity, you know, one through whatever, you have to go into scheme. I mean, I just did a running backs list, and David Johnson wasn't on there, and he should be, but he had, you know, this horrible coaching last year. And you don't know what's going to happen with Kingsbury. I think over time, Russell Wilson has established himself as a guy who has not had a lot of inherent advantages that other quarterbacks have had, and he's transcended all of the limitations presented to him. So, And I've talked to Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner is probably the smartest ex-football player I've ever talked to, so I'm not going to sit here and malign his rankings or whatever. Um, I think of his generation, Wilson's he's established himself as a top five quarterback at this point. If he was in a different system, if he was, well, put it this way: imagine if Sean McVay had Russell Wilson instead of Jared Goff. Oh my God! Woo. Imagine if Andy Reid had Russell Wilson instead of Patrick Mahomes. Super Bowl. I mean, the numbers are similar to what Mahomes has done because I, I don't know how high that ceiling is statistically, but if you put Russ in a different system, um, gosh, in an alternate universe, what if he was to the Patriots? Oh my goodness. So you put him in different systems where the passing game is paramount. And I think there's no question about any of this, but his statistics because of the limitations of Seattle's offenses over time, and it's going to be that way as long as Pete Carroll is their coach because that's what he wants, um, I think if you throw the stats out and look at the tape, I don't see how you can rank him as anything but a top-five quarterback for his era. Uh, before we, before I have a follow-up on, on Russ, I want to. I, I went and looked up 
Josh Gordon's 2013 All Pro <laughs> season. <laughs> Just to bring he it had 1,646 yards, that which led the league. He averaged 19 yards per reception and 117 receiving yards per game in 14 games. <laughs> now, yeah. tell, now tell us who his quarterbacks were. Oh man, now I gotta have the page to load. But like, just even on those stats right there, his quarterbacks. Oh my. Oh my God! Could have called yeah, Mike and I out there. It's worse than you thought. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness! Jason Campbell, Brandon Whedon, Brian yep. Hoyer—good God! Yep. Oh my, oh my goodness! And he led the yeah man, drunk and high. That is unbelievable. You don't want to play him go, when he's sober. Go back on, on Game Pass and watch, um, or I'll I'll shoot you the I didn't ask uh, when I was with Sports Illustrated a tape piece on Gordon that season. Um, I'll shoot you the link. It's it's pretty nuts. Yeah, that's that's. Oh my goodness, I can't wait to watch that. But continuing with Russ here, I'm glad you mentioned the Dallas game, and I, I would assume you're referring to the playoff game that they lost in the wild card round this last year. Yep. Uh, that had everyone talking about you know Seattle's offensive philosophy, and you know Schottenheimer and Pete kind of having the reins on Russ uh, too tight, and it costing them that game and what I thought was the whole season. Uh, do you see it that way, that the, the philosophy they have? You know, what do you think about that run-first philosophy they have in a 2019 NFL? And is it holding Russell back in the way that a lot of people thought after that Dallas game? Well, I don't think it's a run-first philosophy. I, I don't think Pete has ever put it that way. But going back to at least his time at USC, um, I've never asked him about the Patriots and the Jets. Um, I, I've never heard him really talk about that. But... It's never been run first or run heavy. For him, it's been about balance. And I think he has kind of a preset notion of what that means. I also think, and he had Carson Palmer in college, so he's had some, he's had some really good quarterbacks. Um, but he's never had a guy like Russ because there aren't, you know, they don't, those guys don't grow on trees. I think there is... And this is true of a lot of defensive-minded coaches. If you go back through it, look at, I mean, all the turmoil with uh, the Vikings last year and their offensive coordinator position, run the ball more or we're going to fire you. And then they fired the guy and they got a different guy. Um, going from Filippo to Stefanski, I believe. And that's Mike Zimmer, one of the best defensive coaches of his era by far. Top three guy. Pete's a defensive coach. He's probably one of the two or three best secondary coaches of all time, but he is, he's a great head coach, but primarily he's a defensive coach. That's his bread and butter. That's his, you cut him open. That's his DNA. It's defense. Most defensive coaches are risk averse on offense. And, Mm. and it's just that way through time. So I think that's a big part of his philosophy is he's defense first. And you think about, this kind of psychological or philosophical order of defense, well, it is to prevent the big play. It is to create order out of chaos. And, I mean, the parts of Seattle's offense that are chaotic, I mean, that comes from Russ far more than it comes from Pete or Schottenheimer or any other offensive coach they've had, whether it's Daryl Bevel or Carl Smith, the longtime quarterback coach, or Nate Carroll now, I mean, that, that's that's not what Pete wants. And there's been a constant battle during the time Russell's been there. I wouldn't say battle, but a philosophical shift the Seahawks have had to do because there's a part of Russell's game that cannot be controlled. So 
I mean, that's a, that's a long way of saying this is not going to change as long as Pete Carroll is there because this is his philosophy. He's been, he's been successful with it. He is not going to come out and go full metal Andy Reid. That's just not who he is. It, well, let me ask this because this is where uh, something I've thought kind of looking at the landscape of the NFL and kind of covering the team this, these past few years that the because it won't change and I agree with you there that it puts the, the offensive philosophy with without when it's not coupled with an elite defense it puts a ceiling on Seattle's potential in a world where there's LA New Orleans what New England's always doing and now even Kansas City Doug this is something I've been thinking about for a while is that the offensive philosophy it won't change, right? Like you said, Pete is—he's stubborn, not stubborn, I guess, but just he's—he's he's set in his ways in that way. Uh, I think that the philosophy, when it's not paired with an elite defense like they had in the past, that it essentially caps where this team can go, especially in a world where you got the Rams and the Chiefs and the the Saints, the Patriots, teams who are airing it out and having success. Do you think that the philosophy does cap it, uh, cap their like potential in that way? Oh, I think it's a really good point, and it goes back to my thought about defensive-minded head coaches being conservative on offense because defensive-minded head coaches, they're they're basing that on, well, I'm a defensive-minded head coach, so I'm going to have a top-three defense. And for a few years, Pete Carroll coached one of the best defenses in NFL history. That ain't going to happen right now. I mean, they're going to have to scheme around. Well, I mean, they did it last year, I mean, and I know you wanted to talk about this. They ran six and seven defensive they did stuff against the vikings i mean gosh that was (laughs) that was a masterpiece the way they you know i believe they're they had some coach firings after that game but they were running you know big nickel and six and seven dbs in certain packages man match and you know all kinds of things they know they have to scheme around not a lack of talent but developmental talent as they're rebuilding that defense so in a case like that yeah, I would want to open it up a little bit more. You know, I, you look at, I mean, the Rams, they had an, a, a wide-open offense and a defense that was inconsistent. You look at the Chiefs. I mean, they fired their defensive coordinator. Um, justified, I think they should have fired him after the first half of the AFC championship game. <laughs> but in a case like that, and you go back to the Seahawks with Mike Holmgren, a lot of times... Mike was having to make up for a defense that just wasn't there. But, of course, Mike is an offensive head coach. So, yeah, I agree with that. It's a, it's a very cogent thought. And were it me, you know, I, I would just kind of look at it just as far as how things even out. If your defense is 20% less effective than it was, you know, when the Legion of Boom was hitting and you had pass rushers and all that, you know, wouldn't you want to open the offense 20 to 25 percent more to make up for that? Got but it. that's I don't think that's how Pete thinks. I think Pete thinks, you know, defensive genius, eternal optimist. He thinks this will work and we'll run the offense the way we run the offense. Got it. Real quickly, I just want to know, you did mention the secondary. Do you believe the Seahawks may regret letting Frank Clark go, let him, letting him walk? as the season goes along, and then just your quick outlook on the secondary heading into this 2019 campaign. Well, I, honestly, I don't think they'll regret letting Frank Clark go. I think the bigger mistake was letting Michael Bennett go. Mm. Okay. That's fair. I mean, um, Mike has been praising that, saying that a lot lately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, it's funny because, uh, <laughs> you know, the Lions signed Trey Flowers and the Patriots signed Michael Bennett. Trey Flowers and uh, Michael Bennett had the exact same number of pressures last year. 
This is why New England is good, you guys. Go figure it out. <laughs> um, you know, and well, the thing is, Frank is, you know, very powerful, really good hand use, some speed around the edge. But, you know, Bennett was fast inside. Cliff was kind of the fast outside guy. Collier it doesn't show a lot of burst to me at all. Mm. So they don't really have a speed rusher right now. I, you know, I'll be, maybe Cassius Marsh in, in some packages, but, eh, you know, I, so that's going to be interesting. Given what Frank Clark was paid, um, I, I would find it hard to justify that. I don't think that was as much a mistake. You know, I, I, I think overall, I, I think they have decent developmental talent across the board. And I do, and it's interesting because we're talking about how the offense doesn't adapt. They they adapted their coverages so much last year for the fact that you know Earl wasn't there and Sherm wasn't there, and they didn't have sort of an alpha guy in the secondary. And there's a question as to whether they will with this particular class. They may have to scheme around it, and that's just the way it is. What are, what are you speaking of the secondary here? What what are your kind of thoughts in this post Legion of Boom uh, era? You know, Tedrick Thompson starting for Earl last year. You know, Bradley McDougal, Trey Flowers, Sha- Shaquille Griffin. That's probably going to be you know they're without Justin Coleman, who quietly might have been their their best defender in the secondary last year. What's your kind of outlook on the secondary? You have faith in them? Do they need to plug in one of those draft picks they got in Marquise Blair, Ugo Amadi? Just overall, how, how much faith do you have in that secondary in this post LOB era? Well, with Justin Coleman gone, who was their primary nickel guy, I think Amadi could be that guy. Oregon runs a very wide, very expansive defense, so I think he's got, whether it's slot or big nickel, he can do that. I mean, Griffin, is he's a technician. He's a good player. I think he took a step back last year. Um, I think he has the potential to be a an above-average, if not elite, cornerback. Trey Flowers interests me because I think they're kind of hoping he can be the next Richard Sherman. Mm. I mean, because no one thought Richard Sherman was going to be, you know. <laughs> he didn't show up looking like Sherm. <laughs> Probably the first time I saw him in his first training camp, I'm like, who's the big skinny guy number 25? He's just beating everyone up. He was just pushing <laughs> everyone around. And you, you go back to Sherm's rookie year, uh, that Falcons game where Julio Jones destroyed him. I mean, it took a, it took Sherm probably a year and a half to become what he was, what he became. Um, so I think there is some, some patience that has to happen. It's a really, really physically and mentally outside of quarterback. I think corner, outside corner is the most difficult position to play in the NFL because of what it requires. Um, you know, Tedrick Thompson, good play. I mean, they've got good players. The problem is, in comparison to what they had, it's not even, you know, you, you get one Earl Thomas every 15 years. You get one Richard Sherman every 15 years. Cam Chancellor should have been this, the MVP of the Super Bowl they won, and he had a two- to three-year stretch where he was the best lurk safety in football. Mm. It's just really, really hard to find those guys. Okay, I do want to know about Chris Carson. He has been the closest thing since Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> All the attempts that the Seahawks have brought in, whether it be Thomas Rawls, Christine Michael, you name it. Eddie Lacy. Oh, man, don't even talk about him. <laughs> Chris Carson. Oh, Eddie Lacy. <laughs> Chris Carson has shown that he can become – he is the number one guy. 
And right now, do you think, based on the running backs across the league, whether it be Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley, do you think he's becoming that ultimate running back, that number one guy that can make a difference virtually anywhere? Well, if you go to the Touchdown Wire website, it's funny you should bring that up. <laughs> uh, put up the list this morning of the top 11 running backs. Guess who's number 11? Chris Carson. Yeah, there you go. Wow. Everyone go check that out, man. That's a plug right there. Where's that again? Uh, Touchdown Wire, usatoday.com. Perfect. That's uh, all I need to hear. I mean, I, I like Chris Carson. I think the guys you mentioned, Gurley, Zeke, and, and – and, uh, Are elite. They're, they're in like a different a different tier, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, Doug. Uh, Chris has the, the talent to get to that tier, do you think, or no? The only thing he doesn't have, I mean, like you get to the third level, like cornerback safety level, that kind of next gear acceleration that Saquon or Gurley, healthy Todd Gurley has or Melvin Gordon has. Other than that, he's got everything it takes. Yeah, once I saw him hurdling guys last year and just running through linebackers at the goal line, I was like, you know what, Chris Carson will be all right. But I'm with Doug. I don't think that that third gear is. I don't know if we'll see like some 65 yard touchdown runs unless the safety just falls on his face, which is possible because Tedrick <laughs> well, Thompson did it last if year. If you can like topple linebackers with your stiff arm and just beat people up, that's okay too. You know what? I think the Seahawks fans will take that after years of like Chris said, Eddie Lacy. Kristen Michael. Eddie Lacy. Oh. <laughs> no, man. People, the Eddie Lacy era w- was short-lived, but I, I, I will never forget it. It was a very interesting interesting time over here. That combination I'm, of like. I'm glad, we were, I'm glad we were all alive for it. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be, and I know, Doug, you've probably seen how bad this was looking at the film, but like the combination of Luke Jokel, Eddie Lacy, and Tom Cable in that 2017 was just not great. It was, oh, it was bad. There's going to be a 30 for 30 about that, and I can't wait. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Well, well, Doug, uh, we appreciate you for uh, jumping on the podcast, man. Great stuff. I knew you'd have great stuff. we got to get Doug on uh, more often. It brings the insight. Even though he, he broke my Tyler Lockett dream, <laughs> you know, uh, great, great, yeah, great saying, stuff. I'm, look, I've been, I've been on Team Lockett since his rookie year. I think he can get there. I just think now's the time. Now's yeah. when he has to do it. This is the year he proves Chris wrong. Oh, I am. That's the narrative. Every every oh. player needs a narrative. <laughs> that's that that's that's gonna be it. Again, that's Doug Farrar uh, writing for USA Today. Make sure you go check out his running back piece. Where is, where can they catch that, Doug? Uh, that's at the Touchdown Wire website. Oh yeah, Doug always writes great stuff. Very insightful. You know whether it's. It's, it's defensive backs. Like, me and Chris are big junkies on DBs, quarterbacks, and receivers. I think a lot of people are because those are the easiest positions to grade other than maybe running back. We're big on those, and Doug takes it a whole nother step. If you want to feel smarter about football when you argue with your friends in your group chats or <laughs> at work, read Doug's stuff. So, once again, thank you, Doug, for joining us, man. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. All right, man. You take care. Chris, we're on a good run with the guests, man. That was some good stuff. I appreciate Doug. Kill my dreams, but I appreciate it. The next person we get on here, we have to make an agreement. The next person we get on here, prerequisite, has to be that they agree with me on the Tyler thing. Is that all right? Good luck with that, man. I don't see how that's going to happen. Uh, yeah, I, I feel bad for you, man. I told you exactly what was going to happen, and you're going to end up dying on this hill, and that is exactly what has happened. I'm going to get, you know, we need now because we've had, we've, we got two, like, writer journalists on there. We're going to get some players on here. Next player we get, I want it to be someone who can attest to my knowledge of route running and Tyler's excellence. Might just have to get Tyler on here. 
he's probably gonna tell you he's not. You know, you know he's humble. You know right. You're right. Yeah, he's too humble to do it. I need Doug. I need Doug on here. Maybe Sidney Rice. Sidney Rice, former receiver, played for the Seahawks. Sherm Sherm won't do the show because you know he plays for the Niners. Uh, which Tell him to retire for a week. <laughs> retire for a week, <laughs> just a weekend, bro. I don't want to mess up his bread, man. You know, he can because then uh, you know that's his contract. You know, mess up his contract. That's true. So he said he can't be on. So that's 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 fine. I understand that. The day he retires, he's getting a call because <laughs> I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. You're about to be about 0 of 6. I'm trying to think who would say yeah he's top 10. I can't think of anyone. That's the crazy and part. DBs respect him, man. You know, we should. I should ask Marcus Peters because he got roasted by Tyler all up and, and through week going, five. Yeah, he's gonna say yes. Top end speed is amazing. He gets he gets up the field very quickly. But if you're talking about running certain routes and breaking me down, I don't think he can do that better than the ten guys. Uh, I need that you to have I've Marcus named. Peters impression if you're gonna do that. You got to throw like ten you feel me's in his answer. I can't do that. I've trained myself to not say. You feel me? You know, like, um, I really trained myself to not do those yeah, things. Yeah, you got to do the, when it's a Marcus Peters impression, you got to do some you feel me's. I'm Have from the s- Bay, you feel me? No. Uh, dog, <laughs> he throws in so many you feel me's in there. And it's it's authentic, too. If you talk to some, if you talk to people from Oakland. Oh, Mike, is it authentic as the top 10 list that we just presented to you that doesn't have Tyler Lockett? Thank you for listening to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. My name is Mike. You Ooh. can follow me on Twitter. Uh, you can follow Chris, but I don't know if you really want to do that because he's probably going to tell you Tyler Lockett ain't top 10. His his handle is CKID206, uh. but, I mean, you don't really got to go there. If you want to know about Tyler Lockett's route running, Mike Dugard, the verified account, is is the one to go to. But if you just so happen to want to go somewhere else, um. you can f- follow Chris on, on there too. Either way, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. As always, we appreciate the love. Can we tease the special announcement we have coming in a couple weeks? Should we start teasing that now? Okay, yeah. Did I just tease it? By, <laughs> by saying if we should tease it? That's like tease inception. We Great had, movie. Yeah, that was, that was, that's actually... I, I didn't do that on purpose, but we have something special special to announce here uh, in a couple weeks. Very excited about it. But until then, we're out. You see, I don't have the time. You just say that for your mama. Maybe you should smoke something. Try the marijuana. I was loving you good. The vibe was straight. Shows you a couple of things and they finished changed. I treated you right. Everything was a gift from a time to your bag. And I tell her all you live. Yeah, you're